Good afternoon. Um, the podcast you're about to listen to was a pilot that was put together by me and Anthony Parry. We have since decided we want to carry we want to carry on doing this. However, it will not be under the Sunday afternoon cinema banner. Hence, why this is under a different podcast to the one that is actually stated on the podcast. This will, in fact, be the Film Asylum podcast. I just wanted to put that in here because I didn't want to cut up in the podcast. Um, I also want to say that this is the first time that me and Anthony have ever actually recorded together. So if it's not as succinct as you might think it would be or anything on those lines, it's basically because we haven't done presenting before. This is purely me and Anthony sitting around talking about films. We are not professional film critics, nor are we professional podcasters. This is something that me and Anthony have simply wanted been to be doing for some time, which is to say, sitting around, talking about films, seeing where we agree, seeing where we disagree, and potentially introducing people to films that they haven't necessarily seen before. We hope you enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to the Film Asylum Podcast. This podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Good afternoon and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Cinema. My name is Christopher Winter and I have a very special guest with me this afternoon. Yes, we haven't got Mike, we've got my friend Anthony Perry. Hello! You've got to wait for me to introduce you, and then you can talk. Okay. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. You can talk now. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so normally, me and Mike would look at films that we both enjoy, and then say what we thought about them, and why we did enjoy them. To be, uh, why we enjoyed them. Now, somehow, I got dragged into the idea with Anthony that we should in, we should review... Well, do you want to say what we're reviewing? Because it was your idea for this farce. We are reviewing Wild Things and Wicker Park in a occasional ongoing series of crap forgotten films. So, you chose Wicker Park. Why Wicker Park anyway? I actually really like it. It's a remake of the 90s French film L'Apartement, starring Monica Bellucci and two other people I can't remember the name of. But you like it. a really good film. And then I rewatched the uh, Rick Wicker Park, which follows essentially the same plot with a slightly happier ending. But it's got nothing to do with Wicker Man. Um, oh, nothing to do with the Wicker Man whatsoever. There's no bees in it. Uh, there's no bees. No. As he, he far as I can remember. He doesn't run around saying, how do you get burned, how do you get burned. No. That's a shame, almost. It Well, it would have thrown me a little if yeah. that happened. So what, what do you want to cover first, Wicker Park or Wild Things? Well, I thought we could go through a, a quick introduction of both films and then go through a few different, you know, themes of each one and, you know, why Absolutely. indeed they mm-hmm. are lost classics. We can go into the technicalities of what makes them so perfect. Yes. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, right, well, let's start with um, Wild Things, because we've just watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, basically, Wild Things is a drama slash... Uh, erotic thriller. Yes, erotic thriller, thank you very much. Um, that stars Matt Dillon, Kevin Bacon, Denise Richards, and Neve Campbell. Yeah, I got it right, well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, it revolves around the idea of basically getting loads of money. At the start of the film, you see Matt Dillon coming in, going on about sex crimes in his school and how, you know, they're, they're not a good thing. And you've got Kevin Bacon, who plays a police officer, who also says, they're a bad thing. This is true. This is true. God, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm actually probably... We might struggle with this. Anyway, um, <laughs> right, come, come on, come on, what's the rest of the plot? It's going to be that. This is probably going to get cut. So anyway, as the film continues, we basically see Denise Richards going up to Matt Dillon and saying, Hi, do you want to get it on? Now, we never actually see it, but it's implied that something happens, isn't it? Well, there's a very gratuitous uh, car wash scene, which yes. involves her turning up dripping wet on his doorstep. Quite no, literally. that's not a euphemism. No, it's and, not. And um, 
from there, things escalate quite quickly into uh, accusations of rape yeah. involving Denise Richards and Neve Campbell, which then, without wishing to give anything away to anyone who wants to watch this classic, into a whole series of increasingly complex double and triple crosses involving various members of the cast. Yeah, I mean, the whole... Well done, yes, you do indeed do those thumbs up. I mean, the whole thing, I think... <laughs> You know, if you want to get too deep about this, it's the whole idea of women accusing men of rape. I mean, obviously, you know, sadly it does happen, and sadly it can ruin men's lives. Um, what was that? What was that film from years ago? Atonement. Oh did, yes. Did, didn't that have a similar storyline where it actually ruined his life and ruined his career because of her basically saying he raped me and he actually didn't. Oh, she ruined everyone's lives in that film. She did. And, I mean, it, it, it's not a particularly good film at all. I don't think it's especially good, to be perfectly honest I liked with you. it. Well. That's a discussion for another day. Yeah, well, we'll uh, save that for another day. But, no, you know, it, realistically, this is based on actual actual events. You know, women can do this. I'd, I'd like to think they wouldn't, but, you know, from all accounts, they have. This is true, although in Wild Things, things get a little bit more complex than just accusations of rape. It then gets a little convoluted, which is yes, a bill come to in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of the plot you want to necessarily give away. Um, I usually base it on, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the film anyway. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to spoil it if you don't want to. Um, maybe give a quick warning that spoilers are ahead, because... The whole film is based on a bunch of twists and turns. However, it is a 20-year-old film, and if you were going to have watched it at this point, you probably would have watched it. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, Wicker Park, on the other hand, um, yeah, based many, on... Many, 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 many turns and... Well, there's quite a few, yes. And yeah. it's yeah, it's based on the part of one, and this is a, more of a film about obsession. Yes. Obsession on Josh Hartnett's part, of the lady who he went out with for a couple of years and then mysteriously disappeared from his life. Obsession on... The part of Rose Byrne, who plays a lady who's obsessed with Josh Hartnett and he doesn't know about her. And uh, a slight case of obsession in the terms of Matthew Lillard, who's obsessed with Rose Byrne, who's obsessed with Josh Hartnett. Is he? I don't think he's obsessed with her. I think he's actually one of the senior characters in the whole film. I think That's not difficult. (laughs) Indeed. I, I think he just wants to have a... wants to form a relationship mm-hmm. and wants to try and have a, st- a reasonable, stable relationship. Whereas Josh Hartnett just doesn't seem to be able to keep it in his pants. Well, to be fair, his obsession grows because he thinks he sees her in a shoe shop and he's just seen his well, fiancée no, 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 off. No, 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 it starts, the whole thing starts where he see he thinks, Josh Hartnett thinks he sees Lisa in a phone booth in the restaurant at the very start of the film. Oh, yeah. Where he yeah. meets up with a Japanese businessman because he's a Because the whole thing is, he's meant to be going to Japan on a business meeting. Um, and, she, yeah. I it, thought it was his fiance. You see, it's very funny. No, he's meant to be going away on a business meeting. Um, so they have dinner with these, um, with these Japanese gentlemen and she gives him drugs because he's afraid of flying. So she says, here, love... Take some of these and you'll feel better. So he takes one and then he takes two and then he takes ten and, and then he's addicted and then he's a drug addict for the rest of his life. That's right, I'm accusing Josh Hartman of being a drug addict. In the film. In the film, yeah. Um, well, that, it could all take place in his head. That's one way of looking at it. It's possible, then... it's possible. So he thinks he sees Lisa and basically becomes obsessed with her and wanting to try and find her. Where he gets this idea that it's even Lisa is beyond me because he never sees her face. He's suffering from paranoid delusions. Possibly, possibly. The man I needs mean, help. It, it's, it's a hell of a thing what he does, because he really goes balls in deep into this. She takes him to the airport, and he goes all the way through baggage checking, he goes all the way through security, and then comes back out and makes sure that she's gone before he even gets up, you know. He what starts. kind of madman does that? I know, I know. <laughs> um... So, once he manages to get his fiancée out of the picture, and from what I remember, we don't actually see her again, he then starts to... I can't remember. Does he see her again? Oh, very briefly at the end. Oh, that's what he does. That's the twist of the film. Yeah, I'm going away now. Um, So, yeah, he becomes solely obsessed with her. But, like you say, the twist of the whole thing, and really, it's not giving too much away, he meets up with Matthew Lillard, who is also seeing someone called Lisa, and it all gets very complex, and it all gets very interesting, and, yeah, and he makes a stupid comment about Fellini. At one point, yes. Uh, But it turns out that the Lisa that Matthew Lillard's going out with is somebody who knew 
Josh Hartnett's Lisa and was pretending to be Lisa because she's obsessed with Josh Hartnett. Yeah. And she just ruins everyone's lives. And she does. Fun and, has... and hilarity ensues. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's face it, who hasn't wanted to ruin someone else's life? Oh, I do all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's a... Uh, it's uh, a pastime for me, if Yeah. I think you're correct that it's not a film, other than Matthew Lillard's character, who's basically harmless. There's not that many sympathetic characters oh, in this film. Josh is a dick. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade here. He is a dick. He's a dick to Matthew Lillard. He's a dick to his fiance. He's kind of self-obsessed, yes. You know, he's kind of a bit caught up in his well, own problems. Well, he's Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I imagine that Josh Hartnett, Josh Hartnett, rather, is one of those actors where he wakes up in the morning and thinks, I'm Josh Hartnett. That's well, got to be quite a nice feeling, it's got to be said. He was good in Lucky Number 11. Yeah. Which comes from the same director of Wicker Park, Paul McGuigan. Ah, Interesting fact. McGuigan, McGuigan, potato, yeah. potato. You Indeed. Know. Um, so yeah, that is basically the outline of both films. So I yes, thought we could is. go through two different types of plots, really. Yeah, um, they are quite different, but they're quite similar at the same time. Yes. Because they're all about deception. Yes, very true, very yeah. true, well observed. So I thought we'd go through um, maybe a little bit about the story of each, the characters, the acting, which I use loosely in terms of some <laughs> of the people within the film, and um, then some other bits and bobs, and maybe we could then touch on a few other similar films and possibly come up with um, potential future films to review on the podcast. And I still think we have to review Wild Things too, Which... Involves none of the original cast, not even Denise Richards, which kind of tells you. Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't. It just looking at it now, Maya and Brittany go on a sex and killing spree to win millions. So apparently, none of the original characters are in it either. No, I don't think so. I mean, what? What's he, okay? Let, let's talk about the characters and let's talk about the cast for a minute. So, okay, so the first obvious one to start with really is Denise Richards because let's face it, she is the main reason why teenage boys watch this film to begin with. Yes. What did you think of her as an actor, and what did you think of her character? Because. She's awful, I'm not going to lie, but her character is at least slightly interesting. She has an interesting character, but her acting skills are limited. She does well in the threesome scene, as we all would yes, have expected. She does. Um, and she does a good little bit of angry acting every now and then, but whenever she's asked to show emotion, or the more difficult side of acting, to show a bit of fake emotion while they're trying to go about the setup, she is completely unconvincing. There's a. Aside from Bill Murray and. Kevin Bacon, a lot of people in Wild Things seem to be people whose careers peaked around the time the film came out, and yeah. Denise Richards is probably the epitome of that, I'd say. I mean, what, 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 do you think of, what do you think of Denise Richards' other films that she's been in? What, you know, what, what do you think of her in general? I really liked Starship Troopers, but not because of her. Uh, I just liked the film. I think it's really, it's really good film. It's quite it a, a it's, good parody of that sort of action film, and it's and it's it's a lot deeper than people would probably give it credit for. Yeah, it's it's filmed as a big dumb action film, but it's actually a commentary on that sort of film itself yes. because the bugs have done nothing whatsoever no, harmful to the humans. And I mean, I'd like to talk about more. I'd like to talk more about Sasha Jupiter because actually, I think it's got a really interesting subtext. But clearly, that's not what we're here for. Uh, she was also in the world is not enough. She I played a doctor in that film called Christmas. <laughs> So obviously, that, the audience co- laughed when isn't, Denise Richards showed up and said, "I'm a scientist." Isn't Christmas copyrighted? Uh, no, it was a. Basically, she's called that in the film just so James Bond can say at the end, "I thought Christmas only came once a year." Way. That just reminds me of Alvina's promo. Yeah. Um, so, so what else has she been in? Let's have a quick look at what else she's done. I think that was pretty much it for Denise Richards' peak of her career. I know she married Charlie Sheen shortly afterwards, which is just, you know... Oh, and then took a lot of drugs. Yeah, so that just wasn't... She seems to have gone a bit more into TV, looking through her... Yeah. So if we just have a look back at the... I think her career peak was at the late 90s. If you see what else she was in, I'm sure I'm forgetting a decent... Oh, sc- oh she's in Scary Movie 3. You said like it's a good thing. Oh yeah. Oh, she was in. She was in Love Actually. I would not have guessed that. I don't remember it in Love Actually. If anyone, um, oh, does, she was in please. Friends. I remember that. Yes, that's the one where she threw the... her hair around a lot. Drop Wasn't... Dead Gorgeous. That's the film. I really like that film. Wasn't that Friends the one where she had a really, she, despite the fact she was meant to be related to Ross? Yeah. She has a really inappropriate relationship with him. Well, he tries to come on to her because he does, doesn't yes. he? Because she's hot. 
Um, of course, we've got the aforementioned Wild Things. Um, yeah, Drop Dead Gorgeous done? is the film she was in at the time, which I really liked. Uh, I don't know if people remember it. It had um, Kirsty Alley. Um, is it Reese Witherspoon? No, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Ah, okay. And uh, it was done as a, a parody documentary on those sorts of beauty pageants uh, of teenage girls. So Denise Richards is the bitchy, popular beauty queen one. You Kirsty know, I, Alley's her psycho I, mother. I can't believe that she'd be able to pull that off. Yeah, no, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, I don't remember being in um, Loaded Weapon 1. Uh, I Strangely, I do remember her in Seinfeld. I actually remember that episode, despite the fact she's only been in one. Um, Erie and Diana now there's a great lost 90s TV show and she played girl number two in that so obviously a career peak yeah Uh, I've never seen Doogie Howser MD Uh, the only thing I remember about Doogie Howser MD was apparently there was this one scene where there's a massive car crash and Doogie Howser who's 13 at the time shows up and pushes all these cops aside and says move out of the way I'm a doctor and it's like, you're a doctor? Fuck off. You'd have slapped him, wouldn't you, little shit? Yeah. But anyway, oh, and Saved by the Bell uh, one. And she, you know, she, she, she had a re- Yeah, she had a reasonable CV up until around she married Charlie Sheen and then the career sort of yeah. But then I think people realised she couldn't really act, which no. is kind of the problem with her in Wild Things, I'd say. But do you think that was the point? Do you think that was the point of a character, that she wasn't, that she was meant to be bad? I mean, she, she, was, she was lying for her teeth for the majority of the film and then she seemed to really come into her own when it came to the came to her head and said well actually yes we are i am aware you know i know that she when she did her scenes of crying it was terrible my mother was brought was brought along a bit as anyone's guess but there you go um you know i thought when she got angry in the courtroom and through whatever it was that nev campbell was quite a good scene actually i thought she actually showed some kind of emotion so you know good on her for doing that she was decent in it but generally i think she is just a bad actress i think a better actress would have made a more rounded character and a much more convincing beginning of the film i can't think of anyone else to replace her um i'd have to cast my mind back to those sort of 90s actresses that might have i mean to be fair I can understand why she was cast in this because she was a big name back in the late nineties and the early two thousands. She had the right look. She did, definitely. You know, but on the other side of the coin, we've got Neve Campbell, another nineties it girl, oh, a much that. better actress. Have you never done this before? I love that transition, man. Well done. Thank so you. yeah, Neve Campbell. What do you want to say about her and her character? Um, a, a much more interesting character than Denise Richards, but just much better actors. I think it's because Neve Campbell just brings a little bit extra to the role. She gets under the skin of a girl that could essentially be a bit of a cardboard cutout of a trailer trash girl, but she just yeah. makes it that little bit more interesting. And she's just more convincing in the courtroom scenes, in the double-crossing scenes after. She has to go through a few different shifts for this character, but she does well. And I do think she's a little bit underrated as an actress. She's kind of another Agreed. another char- another actress whose peak came in the 90s and has kind of only really been seen in the screen films in recent years. But mm. um, re-watching the film again today, I was more impressed with her performance than I remember being. Um, I get the feeling that Neve Campbell tends to do a lot of stage work. Oh. I'm sure she does a lot of plays as opposed to film. Um I mean, yeah, again, let's uh, let's have a quick look at her um her C V, see what she's done recently and what she's not done recently for that matter. Is it, I still think she's hot. Uh, after, oh yeah even, yeah. even after all these years, I still think she is hot. Scoot, so Oh she was in House of Cards. Well there you go. That's a quite a popular T V show. Yeah, absolutely. Grey's Anatomy. Um, I've, I've never seen that. I really should watch it. Grey's Anatomy. So actually yeah she's gone like a lot of actresses I think from this era, like you know, Hollywood, it's a whole other discussion, a whole other podcast. It limited opportunities for women uh, in their 40s. Yeah. There's very few roles, few and far between. They usually go to Julianne Moore or the likes. So, oh, she's um, good, though. Oh, yeah, but this is it. That limited roles, yeah. a whole bunch of actresses um, turn 40. So TV work seems to be the way forward mm. uh, for a lot of actresses of a certain age, I'm, I would say. I'm tempted to watch that Amish murder. That sounds actually quite interesting. <laughs> That could go one of many ways, a film yeah. with that title, really, couldn't it? You know, the, the the idea of someone being killed in, you know, because they've got no technology, so where do they get someone to kill them with? Like, do they use a... Use a, a they drive around on horses, maybe they run someone over the horse. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, well, they don't really drive around on horses, they ride around they ride on horses. Them. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> you don't drive a horse, you ride a horse. Um, we've got Scream 4, which actually, you know, Scream is one of those franchises where it made a dent, like a serious dent. 
And after the debacle that was Scream 3, it was like, oh, yeah. God, do something, anything to make up for this. And in my opinion, they did it well in Scream 4. I've not seen it. Loved the first one. Really liked the second. Thought the first was a bag of crap. Oh, it was, it was and, horrible. Um, yeah, uh, it put me off watching the fourth. It's so. actually quite good. Um, I, I couldn't tell you why it's so good. I, I would say just watch it. For a start, it's got Kevin Williamson back. Um, which, you know... He it was did se- need. He was severely... Oh, so you do, do you like Kevin Williamson as a writer? I liked his writing on the screen films. Oh. And that's all. Yeah. So you didn't like his other writing credits? No. No? You didn't like the writing that he did for Jen? Uh, no. Even even in the first two seasons when he was writing Dawson's Creek? Who? Kevin Williamson. <clears throat> Uh, sorry, uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, I didn't. And okay. um, So they brought him back for Screen 4, and he is good at writing horror films, yes. I'm and kind of intrigued as to what Closing the Ring is. Again, uh, another interesting title. I really hate my job. Well, I think we can kind of guess what that's about. Uh, wow, she played Princess Elizabeth in Church of the Hollywood Years. Oh, that was a parody film, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I don't know, I've never heard yeah. of it, to be honest with you. I remember it being advertised at the time. Party yeah. of Five, never watched it. No, it was uh, a big I 90s. I think you like it. I actually really liked um, Party of Five. It's got Scott Wolf in it, hasn't it? It has and got Scott Wolf in it, yes. He was hot. Uh, of course, she was in Scream and Scream 2 that we already know about. And the amazing The Craft, a film yes, I really loved. She was One fantastic in that. Peaks and, of 90s teen films. And, and everything genuinely you creepy. Yeah, creepy, great soundtrack, well filmed. Uh, high school girls being bitchy and using magic on each other. What more do you want? And I think... Um, you know, not not to not to go on about the craft and scream too much, but I'm sure Matthew Lillard was in the craft as well. I think he might have been because there's there's a certain group of actors who are all in the same. Skeet Ulrich is in the Skeet Ulrich. Fi- that's it. That's right. There, there was there was a um, a series of actors around this time where everybody was in everybody else's movie. It's like just, a '90s Brat Pack, almost in a way. Yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what else has she done that's of any real notes? Uh, Tell me to stop scrolling if you see anything. Uh, no, I think that's I think about that's it, about really. it, really. So, yeah, another actress, I think, similar to Denise Richards. Korea sort of peaked around the late 90s, but a much stronger actress overall. And a character is that bit better and more interesting for it in Wild Things. It's certainly more fleshed out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, to be fair... They probably didn't give an awful lot to Kelly Van Ryan as a character, but in a second, but in a way, they almost did. Um, okay, so do we want to talk about Matt Dillon or Kevin Bacon next? I think we should go on a Matt De- Matt Dillon, Kevin Bacon, Bill Murray triumvirate, uh, okay. basically. Oh, I uh, didn't expect to get that word in the podcast uh, today. Uh, who do you think you are using words <laughs> like that on this podcast? <laughs> Christ. Okay, so what do you think of Matt Dillon then, and what do you think of him in, in the character and as an actor overall? Well, the character was a bit one-dimensional, in my opinion. He's just a sleazeball. Well, yeah, but look at that face. He has. He is kind of cute, yes. And he, <laughs> I do like him in the... He is, he's got a good CV, actually. I mean, Crash, a bit, you know... Not in the most it amazing film bit... of all time, but it's not terrible either. No, I mean, he, he, I think it deserved the Oscar, I've got to say. I still enjoyed it. I know it was a bit heavy-handed, and I know it was a bit... Oh, it's to be racist and, and we all know that but I still think it was worth watching and I love and again not to go on about Crash too much because that's not the film we're going to talk about today but I love the interplay of the of the, of the stories and everything we see we should we should cover that um, the aforementioned Wild Things Drugstore Cowboy I've never seen but I've heard good things about it I, I don't couldn't know even it. tell you what it's about, but apparently it's very good. Um, there's something about Mary. I hated that, despite the fact I've not seen it. Oh, I think it's a classically hilarious film. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it really is. It's very funny. But yeah, another actor, again, this, this film is full of them. People whose careers seem to plummet us. Maybe this film was cursed. Possibly. And unless you're Kevin Bacon, no, you don't seem to have survived the curse. He was in Hubby Fully Loaded. Okay, I've not seen that. You don't want to, it's got that drunken girl in it so, yeah a uh, one night at McCool's I don't remember I didn't mind that I think that's got Liv Tyler in it I've never seen it in and out but I've heard good things about it I've same here not seen it um, um he 
a decent actor with you think he actually had a stronger career than what we're seeing here to be honest he seems to have I done the odd especially de- good he's had the odd decent film and then like you know about six lots of crap to be quite honest right ah, now, was, so. a, I, I can't remember what he was like in it but Rumblefish was a good film not seen it again. It's um, a Brat Pack film, though. I know that. Yeah. So I think he was seen as one of the. I think he was actually part of the eighties Brat Pack, Matt Dillon, but was, was seen it? as one of the stronger actors. It's not someone I would have thought of being in the Brat Pack. He's I've about got the say. same age for it. Yeah. Really. He's about the right age. I mean, when I think Brat Pack, you know, I think Ali Sheedy. Um, I think um, Judge Nielsen. Uh, I think Molly Ringwalds. You know, those. Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. There was quite a few of them. Were Demi Moore was in Dillon. it. Demi Moore. Yeah, was but in the I can believe Demi Moore, but not Matt Dillon. He seems far too prim and proper for the for the Brat Pack. You know what I mean? Well, he certainly wasn't prim and proper in Wild Things. No, was he? he was not. No, he was um, not. So he played a good sleaze ball, but I don't think it was much of a well, not to imply he's a sleaze ball, but I don't think it was much of a stretch because yeah, there wasn't really much more to the character. Is. It, that was it. He was sleazy. <laughs> he said sleazy things. He turned up, gave a few. You know, he, he Go on, was. Do the it was music. decent. You know, you want to do the music. Now we'll talk about sleazy. It was effectively, but not quite. Um, okay, so we got Kevin Bacon next. Who, well, who Kevin really? Bacon's been in everything. We cannot go through Kevin Bacon's CV. Well, no, we can't. <laughs> but I think he is one of the best actors in this entire film. In all honesty, I mean, let's you know, let's. He's... Sorry. So, I mean, you know, uh, you've got classics such as Apollo 13, um, classics such as Footloose. I don't think I've seen that, but I know it's good. Oh my god, they're making a Tremors TV movie! Oh fuck yes, I'm so watching that. That was actually really good. Uh, he was very good in Black Mass. Um, Derek didn't enjoy that an awful lot, but I actually thought it was really good. Uh, what else has he done? Oh, I liked him in Crazy Stupid Love, that was good. Wasn't taken with X Men First Class. Really couldn't give a shit about that. Uh, Frost Nixon. He was. I've not seen that in a very long time, but I seem to remember him being very good in it. Uh, tell me, to, tell me to stop if you see anything that you want to talk about. Well, he's literally been in every film known to man, hasn't he? Really, he's done a hell of a lot. Oh, Hollow Man. That was a decent horror film. You got to see Schlong in that as well. Uh, and in, as you do in Wild Things, which yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get to that oh, in a moment. Oh, Stir of Echoes. God, that was a bag of wank. Well, that really was crap. He is, the, like the I think he's like the acting equivalent of Tesco. <laughs> uh, you know, he's always there. He's very consistent. You know what you're gonna get. He's reliable. He's never been nominated for an Oscar, which I think no, is a bit of an not. oversight. No. But maybe he's never found that right role. I do feel like he might be the sort of person who's due a support and actor Oscar when he finds that exact right role because yeah. he's. He's consistent. He is to be He's fair. Tesco. He's consistent. <laughs> you know what you're getting with Kevin Bacon. So a decent performance. What, what supermarket would Matt Dillon be? Um, Matt Dillon would probably be Safeway. Bigger than, bigger than the 90s than they were now. And what about Bill Murray? Would he be like Sainsbury's? Yeah, Bill Murray's a bit of a... Maybe even a Marks and Spencer oh, on a really good day. Spencer's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, a classic actor, really, oh, Bill yeah, Murray. Absolutely. And even in this film, I mean, Kevin Bacon does a good, decent job as the cop. Yeah. A slightly sleazy cop with homosexual undertones to his character. He gets Just a few... because he gets his dick out doesn't mean he's homosexual. Well, there's a whole implied affair with Matt yeah, Dillon and, and various other um, little hints as well. But he keeps that under the surface. He doesn't ever sort of... No, although there, there was meant to be something more. But I think the director basically said he didn't want it to be too... Just, you know, they didn't want to include that effectively. Yeah, I think because he... obviously you know it's okay to see two women making out, but you can't have two men making out. Well, yeah, exactly. So Fuck. unfortunately, the um, supposed gay sex scene between yeah. Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon was. Well, caught. they were meant to shower together. They were meant to. I think that was the main thing, and they cut that out. Uh, okay, I thought it was a well. You see, they cut this out, which is you know it was nineteen ninety seven. Uh, and yeah, um, I think it might have been a, a step too far. So Kevin is—he's decent in this film, as he is pretty much decent even in yeah, crap films. He was wonderful in Sleepers. Yeah, uh, he was the best thing in uh, um, Tremors. He's he even in Friday the Thirteenth, and he's decent in there. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Didn't he get it through the neck? Yeah, the cut, neck cut in bed. It was um, um, grim. So, yeah, The Gift, not the one with Katie Holmes getting her baps out, thankfully, because that was just crap. Um, okay, should we move on to Bill Murray? Well, yeah, I mean, like Kevin, he has 
a more minor character in this film, but because these are the two best actors by far in the film... They're the best known, certainly. Well, I'd say they're the best actors, generally, all around. I would put them definitely above the people we've discussed. And Bill Murray... Bill Murray's barely in it. He creates a memorable little character, though, with that weird little neck brace he's got on that he takes off and... It, it's almost a performance. It's a very minor little supporting role, but it, it's just, it's almost too good for the film. I think I this is his career. I think was a little bit on a downer at the time he made Wild Things, but he mm. just shows the dedication that he brings to each character. It, yeah. He could have just phoned it in, and I thought he actually made a quite good comic character out of the lawyer in this film. No, I tend to agree. Um, so what's he been in that you've liked? Uh, Groundhog Day. We both one of my all time favorites. Um, he was decent enough in Lost in Translation. Um, Overrated, but good, yeah. I'm not really a fan of the Ghostbusters films, to be honest. They're, oh, they're, I like They've never been a film I'm especially bothered about, in all honesty. Uh, he was in Grand Budapest Hotel. I completely forgot he was in that. And that's a very good film, actually, Grand Budapest Hotel. I would really recommend that. Um, what else has he done? I've never seen Get Smart. I like no, Get Short, I've never seen that, though. Uh, done Ooh, coffee and cigarettes that was actually quite good i have wanted to watch that jim jarmusch isn't it or jim it jarmusch is. whatever his name is it was the same it was around the same time as 13 conversations about nothing and uh, that's really good as well it's I always that. it's always been on my to watch list but i've kind of forgotten about it over the years but he was in charlie's angels but well we won't mention that moving no. on um uh no. space jam i forgot he was in space jam although i don't feel that was a very big part i've forgotten he was in edward uh, oh yeah he was wasn't it i thought yeah um, I, I mean, I think Groundhog Day is his peak. Or Scrooge. Oh, Scrooge, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, they, they are typical. He plays a typical version of Bill Murray in both films, but he's the he's brilliant. He's comic. He's poignant. It's just... He's a fantastic actor, and even in Wild Things, he manages to create... I think character. he's one of the best Ebenezer Scrooges. I mean, the yeah. only person that could possibly be any better than um, him, really, um, was uh, Michael Caine. In Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh yes, uh, a classic. It it's wonderful. I, I like I'm, it. I'm being ironic then. Oh no, no, wonderful. I like it. I really do like that film. Uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a Christmas classic. So it does. Wild Things, I think, generally it it has a a cup a mix of a couple of really good actors and very of the moment actors, and it's it's a decent cast to a film that could be a t- bit of a, you know, a TV movie, really, in terms of its plot. And yes, it probably so could. And I get the feeling the second was probably a TV movie. Yeah, I think the second was definitely a straight-to-video. Um, yeah, straight-to-porn video. Yeah, possibly. pretty much. <laughs> so, shall we have a look through the cast of Wicker Park? Uh, yes, then, let's have a look at them. Then we'll go through a few more bits from both films and see where we're at. Nope, not Wicker Man, Wicker Park. Okay, so yeah, the course, the cast rather. So we've got the uh, the dreamy boyfriend of Josh Hartnett. What do you think of Josh? Isn't he lovely? Isn't he wonderful? And you know what? And, and you know what? He's got a really sensitive side. And you know how he's got a sensitive side? Because because he, he goes around the he goes around the city taking photos of like bridges and 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 brickwork and, and, and all that. Oh and, and then and then when he's done being his sensitive side, he wears a very nice suit and he wears a very nice jacket and he carries a briefcase around and he's just, oh, and, and, he, and, he, and he takes his pictures of his girlfriend at night because he feels pretty tonight and everybody just thinks, will you take my picture? Because <laughs> I won't remember. I really hate him. I... Fuck, how like can him. you like him? You are confusing his character in Wicker Park with the real person. <laughs> Um, also, speaking of wank things people do in films, shooting a plastic bag in American Beauty, ooh, you know. <laughs> you leave American Beauty alone! Yeah. He does American look like Be- that guy, doesn't American he? American Beauty is a classic. He does look like that guy, doesn't he? Do you really not like the paper bag thing in American po- American Beauty? I think it's it works well in the context of the film, but it is ripe for parody. I mean, come on. <laughs> um... But Josh, anyway, I actually think Josh, he, you could say he's coasted by in his pretty boy looks, but I actually think he's quite a decent actor. I loved looking Number Slevin, which yep. is another film directed by Paul McGuigan starring Josh. We Pearl Harbor was a film that exists and he was in. That, was, and, that killed Ben Affleck's career. There's no way of getting around that. Um, 30 Days of Night, I don't think I've actually mm-hmm. seen that. Black Hawk Down, he's good in that. He's not a bad actor. I really don't think he's a bad actor. He's he was not the best thing amazing. In the faculty. 
Exactly. A good team. A really good team film. Very underrated, The Faculty. Oh, I forgot he was in Black Dahlia. That was good. I loathed that film really? with every fibre of my being. Yeah? I hated the ending. I just hated, hated, hated it. I can't actually remember how it ended. It. Maybe we need to revisit that. Uh, well, I'll tell you after the podcast in case anyone hasn't seen it, but really don't bother. Um, Sin, Sin City. City. That was okay. I liked I Sin City. I didn't hate that. I really couldn't get on board with the second one, but the first one actually Never bothered terrible. with the second one. But yeah, Black Hawk Down, I really liked his film. I don't think he's a bad actor. I really don't. He's not, you know... Amazing, Ooh. but he's 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 good. I completely forgot he was in the Virgin Suicides. Not watched it. Have you never seen it? No. That is a really good film, actually. Um, I I would highly recommend that. And his first film was Halloween H two O. Christ. Oh dear. Well, uh, that's enough of that. Yeah, that <laughs> does not bode well. Okay, so let's look at the next Matthew, the uh, next um, male character who we have is Matthew Lillard. Who I can never get his Scream character out of my head whenever I see Matthew well, Lillard. Well, to be fair, I think that's probably the best thing and he's done. He also was in, I don't know if you've ever seen Dead Man's Curve, but he played a very similar similar character. So now I think he's like a dumb sociopath in real life. I know it's, I'm conflating <laughs> his characters with him, but he seemed to just play a lot of the similar uh, types over the next last like, I've never a few seen years. it, but I just love the interaction um, between him and Nev Campbell um, at the very end of Scream when he's he's, he's just wonderful. But well, you know, we he can is. Talk about that but this is exactly he's that good though that I've I've actually always associated with him with a, the murderer he plays in Scream, basically. And it's yeah, you know, I'm sure he's a lovely bloke in real life, um, but he has one of those faces that look like he could be an annoying guy. <laughs> Do you not think? Yeah, and. So he's actually a little bit cast against type in Wicker because he plays the nice guy in it, and I quite he is. like he's a how bloke. I quite like how the director does that. It's normally would be Josh Hartnett playing the nice guy and Matthew Lillard playing the annoying one, and he's turned that around in Wicker Park. Agreed. And I he, like that. He was also in um, She's All That with um, Rachel Lee Cook. <laughs> what did you think of Rachel Lee Cook? Oh yes, the most unpopular girl in the school always looks like Rachel Lee Cook, doesn't she? She got a kiss off in Dawson's Creek. Did she? She did. Have you ever seen Not Another Team Movie with you the parody? Oh, that was Peyton. awful. They do the parody of her Peyton, and uh, <laughs> you can tell that she's like you know a really deep character because she does paintings and stuff, and Obviously. she wears glasses. But then she takes the glasses off, and it turns out she's absolutely stunning and has been the whole time. Indeed. It's just it, honestly, words can't describe how much I hate that film. Um, uh, he's been in the most recent. Sorry, we're still on Matthew Lillard. Uh, <laughs> he's been in the most recent Twin Peaks TV, which I've not seen, but I've heard is very good. I've not seen it either. I've never seen the original. To be fair, I've seen the first season. Of is the it original. any good? It's good, but I and I like David Lynch, but I mean, I didn't get into it as much as I thought I would. There's lots of weirdness. It's David Lynch, so you know yeah. what you expect. But it's it, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a maybe save for another podcast. I think on David Lynch, really, he's a whole a... discussion in itself. But uh, if you like David Lynch, it's definitely worth watching Twin Peaks. He was in The Good Wife. That's not a bad TV series. Not seen it. Um, it, it actually wasn't bad. I had that on DVD, and I think I lent it to someone. It's Juliana Margulies, is in it? I can't remember who was in The Good Life, actually. Which, you know, that proved how good it was. Um, <laughs> Memorable. I know. <laughs> I thought, isn't she the, actually the good wife in it? What um, else is he? He's done a lot of Scooby-Doo. Well, he was in the original film, you see, so he always shows up to do the voices yeah. in the video games. Uh, he was also uncredited in both Scream 4 and Scream 3. Um, strangely, but, but he, he really has done a lot of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think maybe his career is defined by... Do you know what? He was actually a good choice to play Shaggy. He probably was, to be Because fair. I've not seen it, but I can picture him as a real-life Shaggy, definitely. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I remember seeing adverts for Without, without a Paddle. Uh, no, it looks stupid. Uh, I've never seen 13 Ghosts, but from all yeah. accounts, that wasn't that wasn't terrible. Uh, the aforementioned She's All That... <laughs> uh, Dead Man's Curve is the one I mentioned, where he plays a very similar character to Scream. Um, which has then forever associated him with psychopaths in my mind. He was in the uh, awesome Hackers. Not seen him. 
No, it's terrible, but it's really good at the same time. He's in Serial Mom. Now, that is a great film. I don't think I've seen Serial Mom. It's a John Waters film. Uh, Kathleen Turner plays a murderous psychopath who anyone who gets in the way of her perfect all-American life must be killed. In fact, I think she sets him on fire on stage at a rock concert because she spots him having a wank and she she doesn't approve of that. Well, to be fair, he probably shouldn't have been having a wank. Oh, no, no. Does he play the son? I think he might play the son so she doesn't kill him. She kills his mate. Oh, so he doesn't have a wank. No, but the other guy does. It's kind of cruel, really. I mean, yeah, yeah but anyway, a very funny film. Uh, you should definitely watch that, Chris, if you've not seen it. But well, oh we digress. God. Matthew Lillard, as I say, I'm associating him much more with psychopaths because that's what he seemed to play for a good few years. He's cast against type in this film, and I think he does a decent job. Um, okay, so we've got Rose Byrne. I who... Did she... don't no, know she about played... anything other than this she film. She plays Lisa in this, doesn't she? Well, she plays Alex, who pretends That's to be Lisa. Right, yes. Um, so she was in 28 Weeks Later, never saw it. Uh, she was in Insidious, never seen that. Um, I did see Neighbours, and I don't remember her being in that. Not the TV programme, the Seth Rogen, Zac Efron film. Um, I've never actually... I don't remember her in that either, so that probably says an awful lot. Um, what else has she done? This is the only film I could ever name Rose Byrne as being, and to be honest, though, actually looking through her IMDb and looking through the list of films, she's not been much memorable. I've seen The Internship and I don't remember her in it. This being said, I do think she is good in Wicker Park, but I think that's actually a reflection on the character. Her character is so many different layers and is, is, is a really interesting character, probably the most interesting character because it's her obsessions that really drive the whole plot that drive Josh Hartnett to trying to find his girlfriend again yeah, and yeah. it's kind of hard not to give an interesting performance when you've got a character that's you know got as many idiosyncrasies and well sheer craziness really that this late <laughs> woman has so I think it would have taken a terrible actress <laughs> Denise Richards to have uh, really messed up that role don't you don't you agree uh, I've seen knowing and I don't remember her in that. I did not know she was in Troy. Uh, she was in Star Wars Episode 2. Well, well, you know who was in Troy as well? Diane Kruger, the main girl in the film. She has done nothing that I remember. Apart from Wicker Park. Poor Rose but, Byrne. Well, you know what? She did Wicker Park. And yeah. so, what more do you need? She was in Troy. And I've never seen that. Diane Kruger played Helen of Troy in Troy. So that oh, cool. seeks on quite nicely to the main star. Well, come on, then. Uh, away film. from Rose Byrne just yet. What did you think of her character? She's, she was a bit of a nutball, but do you think her intentions were good? In her own head, they were. But she was yeah. unthinking of the consequences of her actions. But then anybody that is obsessed with somebody to the extent she's obsessed with Josh Hartnett in this film isn't going to think like that. Well, As I say, no, it was so interesting a character. Because at least in her, at least in her defence, she doesn't necessarily intend to do what she does. Whereas Josh Hartner is just a dick. Well, I think actually a scene that always sticks out from my mind in Wicker Park is the scene where she's crying behind the door and Matthew Lillard's asking to be let in and she won't let him in. Mm. And I did think she acted that absolutely brilliantly. She's a, so, but as I say, it's partly a reflection on the fact that she's playing such a complex character that makes it interesting. But I always think there's always a scene in most films that immediately springs to mind when you think of the film. And I always think of that scene actually. So. Like the free swing and wild things. Yes. Yeah. Well, the Kevin Bacon's shower scene, which Obviously, we'll come to eventually. Because we see his dong. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, so that's Rose Byrne. Um, let's talk about Diane Kruger. Um, a, a name I really know very little about. Let, let's see what she she's played. Done. Helen of Troy. She was in Inglorious Bastards. Have you not seen that? I've seen that, but I don't remember anything about it. She was in Unknown with Liam Neeson. You've not you know. seen National Treasure? No. Great little action film. Although it does have Nicolas Cage in, which has got to count against. Uh, what else has she done? I thought she was really good in Inglorious Bastards. I need to watch that again. Troy killed off that whole sword and sandals epics that had come back. You know what? I'm okay into... with that because I hate those films anyway. I quite liked them, but Gladiator brought them back into fashion. Was and terrible. then Troy killed them off a few years later. And that 300 film was dreadful as well. I liked that. All those films can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. I liked them. Um, so she's not really done an awful lot else, actually. Well, she did National Treasure, she's done Troy, and she's done Inglorious Bastards. So, so that's three very successful films. Yeah, okay, well, I'll go along with that. And Wicker Park, obviously, a career peak. Um, 
So how much do you how much do you think about how what do you think of a character in this in general? Because I've I've got to be honest with you, I don't really remember an awful lot. I think the thing with the film, I think the thing with the film is it is actually quite complicated. So I don't really remember an awful lot about it. And to be fair, I don't think she features in this that much anyway. In all honesty, I had the same. As I say, Diane Kruger is very good in Inglorious Bastards. She's a supporting role. She does it really, really well. Yeah. The problem I've got with her as an actress in both Wicker Park and in Troy is that I'm, I find it difficult to accept that as Helen of Troy, she's the face that sells a thousand ships. I find it difficult to accept in Wicker Park that Josh Hartnett, who can probably get, you know, fair, a fair few women, is this... Including obs- the woman he's with! Yes, exactly. He's this obsessed with her. I mean, I just don't really see her. She's perfectly reasonable looking, but there's just, she's just a bit... Me- she's, she's a bit nothing in it, and... You know, as I say, Rose Byrne's character, she might be a crazy psycho, but she's much more interesting. Whereas I can't really see, as much as I like the film, you know, in its own way, you know, in the original, Monica Bellucci plays Diane Kruger's character, and you can really see why he would become obsessed with her. Whereas with Diane Kruger, I was a bit like, meh. I Would know you? that name. I want Monica to Bellucci it. has been in Passion of the Christ, Irreversible, Italian. She's she's in a lot of more um, uh, Italian films, yeah. Matrix Revolutions. The, so, I yeah, know she's... that name. There's got to be something I've seen her in, and it's not the Matrix. Pa- Passion of the Christ, no. Irreversible. Uh, come on, there's got to be. There's so, yeah, be the apartment. Something. She plays Lisa. Now she makes a much more convincing person. Um for the main character in the apartment to become obsessed with. Whereas with Diane Kruger, aside from her performance in Inglorious Bastards, which again is a reflection on Tarantino's great writing, he always creates such fascinating characters, I think, that it's hard for an actor to mess those up. Mm. Whereas in both this and Troy, I find it to be a little flat, which I think is kind of why she's really not done too much in the ensuing years. Um... (laughs) The Inglorious Bastards character was pretty much perfect for her. She played a German actress, and she is a German actress. Oh, that's so, handy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, she, it was really going to be difficult for her to mess that one up. So, well, to be honest, I was a bit not that taken with her. I, you know, I could see Rose Byrne getting obsessed with Josh Hartnett, because it's Josh Hartnett. Of course. Uh, but, you know, really, I think a better actress would have made a, a better... Uh, hash of the role. I mean, what what do you think of the Josh Hartnett in the world of like you know the um of the, the you know I'm trying to think of um names that teenage girls love like uh you know like Zac Efron um come on help me out here who's some more names um all my names are from the nineties so yeah. like Josh Hartnett all the teenager names I can think of are all officially pushing forty or over so yeah. I put him I lump him in more with the people of their time like the Colin Farrells and and so Ooh, on Colin Farrell's good exactly a decent decent actor too he is. in my opinion yeah but, um so he's more of that generation of actors he's now thirty nine forty ish so he's it's maybe not so many teenage girls going with him anymore oh, oh, I, I don't know. I think Colin Farrell, at his current age, he'd probably get a lot of teenage girls coming up to him. I can't, oh, see, yeah. I can't see a lot of people going up to Josh Hartnett, in all, in all honesty, though. Oh, I'm sure they wouldn't turn him down, but yeah, as you say, the Zac Efron's of the world are more of a later generation, should yes. I say. So, yeah. Um, as I say, I don't, I don't think Josh Hartnett's a bad actor, and I do like the film, but in terms of, in much the same way that Diane Kruger didn't convince me of Helena Troy, she doesn't convince me as a woman that anyone would get that <laughs> obsessed with. Um... That's just my opinion. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 fair. It's fair. Um, okay, so let's go back to Wicked... Sorry, not let's go back to Wicked Park. We've not been to Wild Things yet. Let's go back to Wild Things and just talk about the the filming in general and how you think the film played out and how well you think it was done. I mean, I've got to say, for all its faults, there are some good things about it. You know, yeah. it's, it's got some very good lighting to it. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful locations, although some of them are a bit downright strange. And... It's not the best directed film in the world, but it's not terrible at the same time. I mean, it's put put it this way: if you said to me next weekend, you know, do you want to watch Wicker Park? I would say no, mm-hmm. and I've not seen it for a long time. If you said to me, do you want to watch Wild Things? And given that I've only just seen it today, I'd probably say, yeah, stick it on. Why not? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree in terms of... I think it was quite interestingly filmed because he picked the director, or whoever it was, picked really good locations. The sort of... The the sleazy heat of the Florida swamps, it kind of is quite a 
a good setting for a kind of sleazily plotted or erotic thriller. You can mm. almost sort of feel a sweat dripping off the characters' faces as they're sort of wandering around town. And it's just, it it captures a lot of that heat of that town that they're in and that small town mentality. Yeah. It's quite enclosed really as well. They stay within that little village. There's the Van Ryan house. There's a couple of other locations. So it's got that feeling of a little place where everyone knows everyone's business and the small town yeah. gossip goes on and I think location wise perfect you've got the swamps you've got all the little features of the, the crocodiles and the raccoons and everything all the wildlife going around so and it's what did you think the raccoon was? Uh, well I initially thought it was a meerkat that's it you thought it was a meerkat yeah but uh, it yeah. wasn't it was a raccoon yes um, uh, yeah uh, so he didn't do anything particularly special with in terms of cinematography or camera work and anything but then that what is, is going to do? But also, I don't like films that overdo that either. The odd little trick shot is fine. A film that constantly has that sort of thing, I feel like, is trying to distract from the plot. No, I agree. I mean, it's like recently um, in the programme Suits, they have used they use, they use flashbacks reasonably well in the programme. But there was an episode of the week where half of the, half of the programme was just flashbacks. It's like, you're not doing anything different here. And thankfully, this film doesn't suffer for it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's location we've covered. Um, uh, da, 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 what have we got to say? What have we got to say? The music. Go on, tell us about the music. Sleazy. Uh, overly, overly repeated, but yes. um, very catchy. Um, you can all, it, it's used, obviously, like with most films, it's used to signify that something sleazy is going to happen in this yeah, film over and over it, again. It kind of just builds itself up to its own what yeah. it wants to be ultimately isn't it I did think it was well chosen music though again it captures well, that sort of it's kind it of was, hot sweaty the, sleazy music yeah, and that's I what mean, you want it, it was in the sense of that it was for the film itself it was what it needed to be yeah. so you know it, if you'd suddenly had like um, I can't actually think of any music that I would necessarily include upon it I mean the, the one thing I'll give you about um, Wicker Park that I actually like was the music in that so we'll the soundtrack is superb it is, it is a wonderful really soundtrack I mean, very it's, well it's, it's very picked. much of its time um, you know we'll, we'll come to that in a moment okay so let's talk about the main thing that really got this film known and it's the nudity let's be honest that is the most that is really the main reason why probably you and I even saw this film to well I was 14 when this film came out and it had various nude scenes when did Wild Things come out 1997 1997 so I didn't see this until did you see it on release because there was no way you would have been old enough to see this oh no no I saw it on Sky uh, late late night show and on Sky when I was 15 or so Um, because I seem to remember um, being lent this by someone um, when I went to college and I knew nothing about it, to be fair, except like, oh, oh, oh this is bit with boobs and, ah, yeah, boobs, um, because that's how we spoke back in the day. Um, and to be fair, I probably didn't watch much, you know, full disclosure here, I probably didn't watch much more than that, well, if I'm completely honest. I just remember a friend of mine saying to me when I had, when the film's out, Denise Richard gets her tats out, and he literally, <laughs> literally said it in that way. I can believe it, I can and, believe um, it. Yeah, and then like the whole way through, he was like, you're going to get her tats out, <laughs> and I was like, so it, it built up to a real, you know, anticipation, and so she does did. indeed get, get her tats out. out. Uh, like several times, actually more than I remembered. Yeah, um, same actually. And also, there's um the the whole lesbianism thing. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of Denise and Neve. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, and you know this is why people are watching the film, and it does it does yeah. give the people what they want. You see, the thing is right, and this is no detriment to the to Denise Richards. It's not that she's ever going to listen to this podcast. Is I can almost understand why Denise Richard did that because it was like a big paycheck. You know, it's like, go on, if you do this, it will get your name out there. Whereas for Neve Campbell, I kind of feel that, I mean, she didn't get, she didn't, we didn't actually see a nude. She actually, actually, written on her contract that said she would not get nude in this film. And honestly, I think that's the best decision Neve Campbell could have ever made. Because I kind of feel it would have only, it only would have ruined her, her career. I don't think it would have helped it. Well, it wouldn't have necessarily ruined her career, but I don't think it would have helped. Yeah, whereas with Denise Richards, it kind of... It didn't certainly didn't hinder. She then got the James Bond role shortly afterwards, where she played a scientist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we all sense. kept a straight face. Yes, yes she we did. did, and uh, totally believed her in that. Um, so yes, there was a. 
if for if you want sex scenes, if you want a threesome, if you want a lesbian scene, if you in a pool, no less. If you want girls bitch fighting each other, and then it leads on to Erwin now snogging. Oh, it's no. got all of that in it, and it's in a legitimate film with a respected cast. Absolutely. So it's not as though you're watching porn, probably. And no. the, even the director even throws the gaze a bone, so to speak, with a full frontal scene from Kevin Bacon. Yes, he does. Which is uh, quite groundbreaking for a late nineties film. There was oh, very gotcha. few actors getting the schlongs out. Well, to be fair, even today, it's still very dodgy territory. You so still can't really do it. Not um, Kevin Bacon's penis, by the way. No. We're talking about some male nude scenes. I mean, in general. I think the only nude scene I've seen in a legitimate film, if you can really call it legitimate, um, was da 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 Antichrist. Um, by Mr. Mr. Von Trier. No, there has been a few. There's been Jason Siegel and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I don't think I've seen either of those, to be fair. Um, there's... Um, yeah, but in, in Antichrist... Bruce Willis. You know, in, in Antichrist, it's a good... Nah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in there! It was also a body double, so it can't, doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, Bruce again, Willis does it. it's amazing they got away with that. It really is. Bruce Willis has done it. What did Bruce Willis In The Colour of Night. Is? Several times, in some very sleazy that. scenes. Oh, we should, what, we should put that in the Crap Film Podcast. Really? Like, yeah. It's it's awful, but like yeah, well, well that that is a discussion well, for the whole of the podcast. We, I can lend you it. Yeah, so Bruce Willis has done it, but like it was it was really in the nineties. Bruce Willis did it, and then Kevin Bacon did it, and then it's not really opened the door to equality, but it's yeah. uh, it's become a little more common. I mean, what what do you think overall of um, you know sex scenes and nudity in films in general? To be honest with you... Yeah. I mean, we, we, aside from the whole, yes, we get to see a bit of dick, or yes, we get to see a bit of um, boob or whatever, you know. Well, yeah, but let's face it, that's the reason why people watch it. And, you know, isn't that the reason why it's put in? Because do you really need the sex scene, the full-on sex scene? Could we not subtly close the door? Do we have to show the characters getting it on? Occasionally... I no, I agree. If it, it can be integral... But if not it that often. Add, if it doesn't add anything to the story, I don't see the need to have it. Now, in fairness, now in fairness to this film, the threesome is somewhat legitimate because yeah. it's it is somewhat integral to the storyline. Yeah. Now, whether having Denise Richards and Nev Campbell making out was legitimate and whether it was needed, and whether it was necessarily required that Kevin Bacon would go and see Denise Richards' character in the swimming pool as she's just getting out and doing that whole hair flicky flicky thing, and the fact that you could see Denise Richards' nipple straight through a swimming costume, which, let's face it, was deliverance. Oh, uh, yeah. And there's a lot of that, and no, I don't think, without wishing to sound prudish, because I'm all for no, nudity no. from hot I... actors in films, why not? But in terms, if you really want to think about it, you don't need a lot of sex scenes in films. No. They're not pushing the plot forward. I if mean, you look at a film like The Full Monty, mm. that is integral to the plot that the characters get not, naked. And it's but, not even that dirty. You yeah, know, but you, that's it. Well, that's not a sex scene. It, it, it's, it's, it's a bit cheeky, isn't it? Well, that's it. And that's not a sex scene, but that's an example of using nude scene. Like, you couldn't not have that happen in that film. That's the entire yeah. point of the film. Indeed. But a lot of sex scenes in films, to me... It's throwing them in there. As you say, this is why we started watching Wild Things, because everybody talked about the threesome scene. Mm. So it's there to get people talking and put a bit of titillation and things like that. And um, I don't wish to sound prudish. I'm all for nudity in film, like, you know, as long as it's, you know, from somebody As long not. as it's done well and as long as it's, as long as it's done for the right reasons, ultimately. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, the same, it's the same way. And I know I'm going to sound incredibly hypocritical, given the amount of swearing I've done in the last 50 minutes alone. But I really dislike films that just constantly swear because they clearly have nothing else going on and they don't know how else to fill the film. They don't know film. what else to write in dialogue. So let's don't. throw in an F word or two and um, we'll get people talking. Oh, yeah. oh, did you know there was 700 swear words in such and such a film? Well, do Indeed. you really need 700? I mean, the only film I can think of that actually made swearing funny and made swearing into an art was South Park bigger, longer, and uncut. Well, that is... A, that because is that was just hilarious. Yeah. And, and But but to be fair, and not to talk about that for too long, because that's not why we're here, that at least had some grounding. Yeah. That was making the points. Well, it always so in does. fairness to that film, that, that was reasonable. Well, South Park does always have a point. True, Might true. be lost in the middle of poo jokes and stuff, but there is always a model and a There's point There's always a reason Park. for yeah. it, yeah. Um, um, I agree. Well, I think we're basically done with Wild Things. Do you have anything else to say before we finish off on, um, before we finish off, uh, like, aha, Wicker Park? 
Um, well, the wild things to just finish off. Uh, to be honest, it was it's of its time. The actors. <laughs> The music. I, love, I, I love the fact that you use that phrase given that when people usually use the phrase it was of its time, it's a classic. Casablanca, it was very late night. Casablanca, it was a film of its time. Gone with the Wind, it was a film of its time. Wild Things, it was a film well, of its time. Well, I don't time. know. I, you, I can often describe 90s music that sounds dated as being of its time, so I think it can be used yeah. in two different ways. And in that sense, it's kind of the film equivalent of like an old 90s dance hit that's Maybe a bit old and dated, but you know you can still watch it and enjoy it in a sort of tacky sort of way. In yeah, that sense, maybe so. it's like the film equivalent of Too Unlimited. <laughs> um, so, you know that's one way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that's all I've got to say on Wild Things. Just uh... shits and giggles. I might put Too Unlimited into the middle of yeah. that. Um, okay, so let's let's finish off um, Wicker Park because the pub is calling soon. Um, okay, let's talk about the imagery and the cinematics of this because actually for all for all the negative things I feel about this film and for all the negative things I may say about this film to its credit the imagery and the cinematic and the filming and the general usage of the camera is actually really good. Yeah, the visuals are fantastic. The location choice is fantastic. As, as much as I took the piss out of the opening scene it's actually quite good. I love how it comes into the city and then moves, swoops through the even that last bit where he's sort of chasing Diane Krug through the airport, bumps into his girlfriend. The it's a mise en scène. The crowded, the crowds around Josh Hartnett and it getting in his way. It's just it gets you that kind of claustrophobic sense when you're running through an airport. So it's it's little details like that. I think that the director does really well. He's actually quite a decent director. This might not be the most perfect film of all time, yeah. but it's. Um, based on a very good French film, and it is, um, as you say, it's well filmed, well chosen um, locations. You know, it's well lit. Um, I like how it constantly has Diane Kruger's character is sort of lit, you know, shiny sort of angelic look uh, to her. So you constantly sort of see it cast in a golden light, whereas Rose Byrne's character has a much darker. Uh, lighting around her, so you kind of get the sense of, you know, like, angel, devil. So he gets all these subtle little hints in, which is the mark of somebody that really knows what they're doing in terms of that form of directing. So it might be, the plot may be a little OTT, and it might have some unsympathetic characters, but in terms of its film, uh, in terms of the way it's filmed, and its cinematography and so on, I do think it's a really well-made film. Does it differ in any way to the original French film? Yes, the original French film has a much darker ending. Right. The psycho girl blows up um, Diane Kruger's character in the apartment. Jesus. And he runs through town to try and um, find her, and it gets there too late. So there's no meeting at an airport, no bumping into the fiancé. It's just, oh, bugger, she's dead. I think we should still watch it, you know? I've got it. It's... Oh, awesome. I'll come so, yeah, it's... it's um, like yeah, Wicker Park's ending has been a little Hollywoodized. Um, although Josh Hartnett's character, it kind of... My problem with his character, because you've said throughout that he's quite a selfish character, <laughs> is that at the end you've you've forgotten. It's a good bit of misdirection. You've forgotten he has a fiance because you've gotten so into the plot with Diane Kruger and Rose Byrne and Matthew and so on. And then he bumps into her in the airport at the end when he's trying to chase Diane Kruger, and you suddenly realise it, it jolts you out of your identification with him because you suddenly realise, hang on, he's got this girl he's going out with, and yeah. he's the whole time he's been obsessed with somebody else, and it kind of. Instead of ending it on a happy Far note... beyond the start of this film. Yeah, instead of ending... It's a good little bit of misdirection because you suddenly go, oh, yeah, I've forgotten all about her. But I think... I don't think she should have really been in it because it makes you unsympathetic towards him. You then don't really want him to catch up with Diane Because no, you think, well, sorry, mate, but you've just told this girl to go who's done nothing wrong. And yeah. I think it was a real misstep uh, on behalf of the writer or, or the director to have included that uh, in his character. I think it, I agree with that, that it did make him quite uh, a bit unsympathetic when if he that bit hadn't been in it at all and he just chased her through the airport and it's a bit of a cliched ending really, but you know, you would have been happy for him at least, but that yeah. kind of jolted you out your identification with him because you kind of thought, well, that's selfish of you, isn't it? You know, mm. so... Yeah, yeah, it was a bit flawed, the end in there. Music-wise, I think we've said it has a fantastic soundtrack, I think. It's got a really good mix of Icelandic bands. It's got uh, Stereophonics. I think it's um, got at least two tracks of, by Stereophonics, hasn't it? White Stripes. I know it's got Aqualung, Strange and Beautiful, so it's got a lot Aqualung, of... Aqualung, that was it. I was, trying to remember, yeah. I was trying to remember who made that. And well-chosen as well. Each, um, each 
uh, Flowers in December by Mazzy Star, and each scene has well-chosen music to it. It fits very well. And I really do admire the soundtrack of this film. I really oh, like it. Oh, Coldplay. You've got to have a bit of Coldplay in there. Yeah. Uh, Mogwai, not really, not overly familiar with Mogwai, but I have at least heard of them. Um, Phil Collins, I don't remember. Performed by the Postal Service, and not by Phil Collins. Um, yeah, it is. It is a really good soundtrack. So I think another film we can say, but I think what it has in common with Wild Things, it's flawed, but it's interestingly flawed in my opinion. And it's yeah. and as we can say, it's the director knows what he's doing in terms of mm. making a film. He's a little bit hampered by um, a little bit of the acting from Diane Kruger's part. She's not completely convincing. A, a, cl- a plot that gets quite co- complex quite quickly. And somewhat convoluted at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've got to really concentrate to keep up with it. So it is, it's an interesting film, but it's it's well made. And yeah. he then went on to make a much better film with Josh Hartnett, Lucky Number 11, which is a film I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe one for another time. So I think uh, two different films, back from the, dug up from the film dungeon of many years ago but uh, both interesting I think now, in their own little way there's no nudity but there are sex scenes are there sex scenes? I'm sure there are I could have sworn there were I think there might be one brief one yeah but I don't think he and they were handled reasonably well yeah I, I don't think he's I think, don't think he's even shirtless in it god damn it so yeah <laughs> gotten but well such is life the internet is here if you want to see Josh Hart shirtless I guess yeah so yeah um, yeah, no nudes, unfortunately. But yeah, I think two interesting films, and mm. I will maybe have a look at The Colour of Night and a couple of other films from um, to be dug up from the film dungeon uh, for any yeah, future podcast. I think absolutely. it's been really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing is, whenever we do these reviews, I like to cover it just as much as possible, but I also don't like to cover it too much because I don't want to give anything away for people who haven't necessarily seen it. And to be fair, in Wild Things, there's not an awful lot to say in the case of Wicker Park. There's too much to say. Yeah. I'm... If we really sat down and broke down Wicked Park, we could probably do two hours on its own. Yeah, and this honest. is it. You know, it, this is supposed to be entertaining. We can't be sagely discussing the mise en scene. No. we seen and, and all and the rest of it, can we, you know? Uh... No, and ultimately, I don't want to spend two hours talking about one film. Um, we, me and Mike have done it before. And you, you end up gutting these things to death. And I don't think that's necessarily what I want to produce. So, um, do you have anything else to say for the for the two films? Or are we happy to call it a... I'm happy to call it a day. It's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. And hopefully I'll be back good. with a couple more films from the film dungeon. Oh, we'll definitely do it. And I think next time we do it, especially if we do a particularly bad film... We will set up a microphone next to us because honestly, I think some of the things we're saying were hilarious. Oh yes, we were. We were. We should funny. do it. We, we, make we should do an audio commentary. Uh, yes. Um, so I think um, if we sort of maybe call this sector the film dungeon, and I think yes. the film dungeon will be back with the Bruce Willis classic, and I use that in the loosest sense of the word, <laughs> the colour of night. Indeed. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed what you heard, please consider um, following us on SoundCloud. We can be found under Sunday Afternoon Cinema. Please also consider subscribing on iTunes. We can be, again, found under the same name. Please also consider listening to the Iconochromatic podcast that I do with Derek. We tend to cover more up-to-date films. I'm going to go out on a fortnightly basis, and we've also started doing a... Um, podcast that revolves around music we've just done it recently for a live gig and me and Derek are hoping to do more so once again thank you for listening and goodbye goodbye I wish my mouse gone